So we're going to spend another, another Sunday on the joy of the Lord being our strength. And we're also going to spend next Sunday with a little bit more on the joy of the Lord being our strength. So barriers to this joy, barriers to this joy. It's really something important for us to understand that there are things that we can do uh, or maybe, unfortunately, there are things that we do do that, that create a barrier for that joy to flow in our lives. So let me begin again with this definition that we've been uh, sharing with you about joy. Just a couple of, couple of words missing, but it's all the same thing. Joy is a wonderful... Joy is a wonderful feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit. Joy is a wonderful feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the world and in the world and in his word. So joy is a feeling, it's an emotion. Joy is not just something that, that happens. It's something that you can't control. It comes over you quickly. It's something that, that overtakes you often. So the joy that we have in the Lord is something that the Holy Spirit produces within us. And there are things that you can actually do to hinder the flow of that joy. And we've been focusing on that for the last couple of weeks, and we will today and next week as well. Uh, but let me just re reiterate, if I can, in a little bit of a different way. Point number one, we, we create a barrier. We create a barrier to the Holy Spirit by discounting the Spirit's influence. By discounting the Spirit's influence. Last week we talked about grieving the Holy Spirit as being like water pressure, pushing the water pressure down. Well, I wanted to add to that and help you to understand that Grieving the Holy Spirit is very much like discounting the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, it's, it's, like, it's like you have a really special friend who does so many things for you, and this friend uh, accomplishes so much, and you go out and people notice what your friend has done, and when they mention it, you just kind of say, yeah, but... Yeah, but. So it's, it's taking the credit away from the Holy Spirit, taking the credit away from God, and pulling that credit to yourself. Ephesians 4.30 in the, in the uh, NLT says, Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Don't bring sorrow to the Holy Spirit. In other words, when people identify the work of God in your life, don't take credit away from God. Don't take credit away from God. Jesus, in fact, said, people will see the good works that I do and they will glorify your Father who is in heaven. And so this is the opposite of that. This is people seeing those good works, seeing that result, seeing the work of the Spirit. And this is you saying, no, it's not God, it's me. It's taking that credit away. So it's discounting the Spirit's influence. Secondly, it's not letting the Spirit flow. Not allowing the Spirit to flow. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19, 
He says, do not stop the work of the Holy Spirit. Do not stop the work of the Holy Spirit. He goes on in that same passage to say that we should not deprive people of their words that they share as being led and uttered by the Holy Spirit. Don't discount prophecy. Don't discount people's ministry to you. And so that's what he's saying. Do not stop the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Don't shut it down. Remember, last week I shared with you, it's kind of like taking the hose in the backyard and crimping the hose so there's no water that comes out the other end. And it's a joke for once or twice or three times and the kids laugh and stuff. And after that, they kind of get the idea of what's going on. And it's not fun anymore. Well, don't do that with the Holy Spirit. Don't do that with the Holy Spirit. It says in Psalm chapter 4, Psalms 4 verses 7 and 8, it says, But the joy that you have given me is more than they will ever have with all their grain and wine. When I lie down, I go to sleep in peace. You alone, O Lord, keep me perfectly safe. But I love that. The joy that you give is more than they will ever have. They'll ever have with all of their grain and wine. Psalm 1611 says, You have let me experience the joys of life. God has allowed us to experience the joys of life and the exquisite pleasures of your eternal presence forevermore. So we find as we look at not letting the Spirit flow that it's, it's kind of a, a dangerous thing because the Spirit of God is busy at work and the Spirit of God is flowing. So we have to be aware of that. Another thing that you and I can do to create a barrier for the Spirit so we slow down the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is by not being thankful not being thankful, and particularly not being thankful for the people that God brings into your life. You know, people are challenging, aren't they? I mean, if it wasn't for people, life would be so easy, but then without people, there'd be no life. So you got to realize that. Uh, being unthankful for the people in your life. Paul says in, in Philippians chapter 1, he says, I thank my God. Look at how he puts this. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. Joy. Paul was so joyful for the Philippian believers. And every time he thought of them, he was filled with the attitude of remembrance and reflection on who they were and what they did. And he always thought about the things that really all of them profited from. There's always something to gripe about. There's always something to look at and say, you know, there's got to be a change here and there. But, but overall, the people that God brings into your life, look at the things that God has done in their lives. Look at the blessings that they are. Look at the, not the curses, look at the wonderful things that they bring into your life. And sometimes the greatest challenges that they bring into your life are your greatest blessings are your greatest blessings. You know, you'll never know sometimes the challenges that you have. You'll never even know sometimes the needs that you have or the things that need to work, work on in your life without other people in your life showing what that is, <laughs> revealing what that is. Amen. You know, I would have been fine and I, I'm, I'm practically perfect until you come along and start 
kind of showing me that I'm not. So you have to, have to kind of keep that in mind. Being unthankful for the people in your life. And that's just not the close people in your life, but here Paul is, is talking about the entire church of Philippians, all the people there and the blessing that they are to him, the blessing that they have been to him, and how much of an encouragement that is to him. So that's, that's a real joy. It's a real point of, of a blessing for, for Paul. And what I'm saying is that this joy that flows produced by the Holy Spirit, you can cause that, corrupt, that, that, uh, that work of God in your life and the things that he's producing in your life, that crop, if you will, you can cause that to be diminished by what? Not being thankful for the people in your life. Or another one is not, not being able to see the blessings of life's troubles. Not being able to see the blessings of life's troubles. As I said a minute ago, sometimes you don't find out what you need until the people around you make known to you what you need. Well, in this case, seeing the blessings of life's troubles. I mentioned to you last week that there were a whole group of people that were preaching and so on, and they were doing it at the expense of Paul, at the expense of Paul. But I want to turn you to this passage in Philippians chapter 1, and as we read it, I want you to reflect on how Paul responds to them and their attitude. He says, I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So you got people saying about Paul, Paul, you really blew it. Now you're in a bad place. Now you're in jail. Now you're in a place where you can't do the work. In verse 13, it says, So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and all to the rest that my chains are in Christ. So he goes off and he's imprisoned in Rome. He's in prison in the, and the palace guard are watching over him. He is tied literally to the Praetorian guard. He's being watched on a regular basis. And the result of that is not to his disadvantage. It has become to his advantage. He is now sharing his faith and sharing Christ with all of those that are watching him. You know, they're not going anywhere. They're tied to him. They're chained to him. And uh, he says, most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So not only are people there becoming to Christ, the ones that are chained to the Apostle Paul, but we find that people outside who are listening and understanding what happened to Paul, they're getting pumped up as well by the fact that, man, if Paul can do this and he's in jail, I can do it now and I'm free. I can do this. So he says in verse 15, Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife. So some are preaching. They don't have the right motives, but they're preaching. And some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition. They're in it for themselves. Not sincerely. Supposing to add affliction to my chains. See, they don't understand the grace of God. They don't understand the work of God. They think they're doing Paul harm when, in fact, they are doing Paul great joy. Verse 17, he says, The latter out of love, they're preaching for the right reasons. He says, Knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel, what then? 
only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. So I'm going to get excited. Paul is saying, I'm going to get so thrilled by the fact that Jesus is being preached. Why? Let me tell you why. People can preach Christ for the wrong reason, but when Christ is preached, the message of Christ can get through. People can preach it for selfish reasons, but the actual bottom line can get through, and people can come to Christ in that way, just like maybe some of you have in your lifetime. But you don't want to squelch that work of blessing and joy, so don't, don't look at the troubles of life as being a curse to you. Look at the troubles and the challenges that you face as being a blessing. They're a blessing for you and they're a blessing for that joy to increase as well. I don't know, I just think about some of the things that, that we've been through as a family and people around us here at church have been through. And I got to tell you that some of, the greatest, uh, some of the greatest evidence of God's joy in the life of his people comes through some of the most difficult and trying situations that are being faced by his people. That's because God supersedes all of your situations. God overcomes all those things. Here's another one, uh, point number five, being lazy. Being lazy and not following the Spirit. You know, when you think about following the Spirit, one of the things you can't be is lazy. You can't just be kind of like, whatever. You know, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. No, you can't be lazy, so if, you're, if you want joy to overflow and fill you up and flow over into the lives of other people, you can't do that by being lazy. You can't just be a couch potato. I love Philippians 2, 12 and 13. Paul says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Let me give that to you in one of the verses that you've probably already looked at and, and uh, read before and one of the more common ones. God is at work in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. God is at work in you. So you need to recognize that when you're lazy and God is working and you're not responding to that work, then God can't do the work that he wants to do. You need to be on top of it. That doesn't mean that you see always miracles and stuff like that, but it does mean that the joy that you have in him will carry you through. The joy will be full. The joy will protect you. The joy will help you in the midst of your trials and tribulations. And there's plenty of those, aren't there? Plenty of those. We could have a, a testimony time and you could all share all the struggles and trials that you're having. and We all have our share. And then we could pile it all up and give it before God and say, God, you know, you're the God of all trouble. And we give it all to you and ask you to take care of it. But don't be lazy. And don't just kind of go ho-hum, well, God, if you're going to fix it, you're going to fix it. If you're not, you're not. 
uh, do whatever you want to do. It's true he will do what he wants to do, but he wants you to be part of that. He wants you to be our participant in that. He wants to work with you and through you in all the things that he is doing. And we'll look at that in a moment as a, in a very powerful way. The number, the number six item on your list today is having a bad attitude. Do you want to crimp the joy of the Lord? Have a bad attitude. You know, a bad attitude is like a flat tire. You can't go anywhere unless you fix it. It, all it does is, is bog you down. You've got to fix that flat tire. Grumbling and complaining. What does Paul say? Philippians chapter 2. He says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Just stop for a minute. Think about that. Do some things. No, he says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Oh, no. <laughs> We're in trouble there, aren't we? He says, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Amen. And perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then, on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Paul says, when I get to the end, I can see that what I did in your lives was worthwhile. Yes. And you weren't just taking advantage of me and taking advantage of God. You need, to, you need to recognize that if you want to have joy and joy to be your strength, joy to be your motivator, and joy to carry you through all of your trials and tribulations, please be sure you don't have a bad attitude. An attitude is uh, kind of like altitude. If you have a bad attitude, you have to stay closer to the ground. You don't get very far off the ground. If you have a good attitude, you can fly high with the Lord and he'll bless you immensely. I know that's kind of a cheesy illustration, but take it with you. <laughs> the next time you're driving your car and you've got a bad attitude, realize, I need to put some wings on this thing. Amen. I need to do some flying. So have a good attitude. Now, before we do number seven and eight, I want to remind you of Paul's words, simple words in verse three of chapter three of the book of Philippians, he says, We are true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus, and we put no confidence in the flesh. We don't put any confidence in the flesh. We don't put any confidence in ourselves. We don't put any confidence in us. What we've done, where we've been, how we've been, none of that. We don't trust anything that has to do with us. We put our confidence in the Lord. We worship Him in spirit and in truth. So prior to number 7 on your notes, you might want to just jot down verse 3 of chapter 3, putting no confidence in the flesh. So the first thing you'll notice here is that if you want to have a bad day, 
then put confidence in your works of the flesh. If you want to be miserable, put confidence in all that you are and all that you've done. If you want to really experience a negative life, do that. Paul says, I haven't done that. In fact, Paul says in verses 4 to 6 of chapter 3 of Philippians, Paul says, I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Paul says, you know what? You guys want to get on this whole beat about who you are and how important you are? And Paul says, I've got you all beat, hands down. I've got you all beat. He says to them, Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I even more. What is this, Paul? Well, look what he says, verse 5. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. He was a Jew's Jew. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. He was a pedigree. He says, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one, a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was a member of the Pharisees. To be a member of the Pharisees was quite a task, and the Apostle Paul made it. He made it on what? He made it on his good works. He made it on his works of the flesh. He made it because he checked all the right boxes. A Pharisee of the Pharisees. He says, who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish laws. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. So Paul could come in and he would, in most churches, he would be immediately brought right up front to take over and be the pastor. Because he had it all together. He had it all together. And so he had it all together there. But he says to us, and he says to the Philippians, there's no boasting in that. There's no pride in that. None of that matters a hoot. None of that really matters at all as far as God is concerned. And so I don't put any confidence in the flesh. I don't put any confidence in the things that I have done or the things that I have said or the places that I have been. And I think it's time for even us to do the same thing. You know, I reflect on my life. I was born into a, into a Christian home, and they were, part of, they were part of the Presbyterian church, and I remember that I shouldn't say that. I don't remember. I recall my parents telling me that I was baptized as an infant. I have no memory of such an event in my life as a baby. I don't recall it. I don't remember it. I could say to everybody, I was born in this church. I was baptized as a baby. I was this and I was that. I was circumcised. All the things I could say, all of that. What good does it do me? Absolutely nothing. Because all of it, when I come before the Lord, he'll say, well, why'd you do that stuff? Well, I was baptized and I was circumcised because mom and dad said, he got to do this. I didn't have a choice in the matter. Well, when I look at the scriptures, I have to tell you that there is a personal choice in all matters. And the biggest one starts with whether or not you trust in Christ or not. Are you trusting Christ as your Savior and your Lord? Yours, not your parents'. 
not anybody else's, but yours. Are you putting your trust in Christ alone? And then as far as the baptism, all those other things, you need to follow His will for your life. Not having confidence in the flesh. I was a Christian. Some people say, well, I've been a Christian my whole life, and I scratch my head. They've been a Christian their whole lives. How is that possible? Well, I guess I suppose you could be involved in the influence of Christianity your whole life. You could be involved in a Christian home your whole life. But how can you be a Christian when you never made a decision, when you never made a response? I remember sitting, personally sitting before God in an empty lot in Prescott saying, God, I understand these things. I know the gospel. I know who Jesus is. I know what I've done, but I have not made it personal. It's not been about me. And I remember putting my trust in Christ on that evening of June 20th, 1973. And I'll tell you, my whole life was transformed and changed and altered from that point on. No confidence in the flesh. Now, does that mean that you rock the flesh? Does that mean that you you tell everybody else that it's really stupid that they're doing the things they're doing? No. It's not about that. It's about you personally. And you wanting to let the Spirit of God produce that joy that will flow through your life. You do that by not putting confidence in the flesh. You do that by, number eight, not counting all of your works as loss. You do that by counting all the things you've done as loss for the sake of knowing Christ. For the sake of knowing Christ. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11. Paul says, I once thought these were valuable, <clears throat> the things that he did. I thought they were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. You know, all those things that you've done in the flesh, all those things that you can count up and say, I did this, 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 this. Paul says, all of those things, I thought they were valuable, but when I consider them in contrast to what Jesus did, I see all of them as being worthless. Worthless. Yes, he says, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. In, in, a, in most of our translations, it says, I counted it all as dung. Dung. You know dung, what that is? Very, 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 very common when it comes to farming and animals, dung. Yeah. So, so Paul says, when you look at it, there's nothing there. You can't even compare it. You can't even put it side by side. You can't even say one is better than the other. All of it is literally nothing compared to Christ and what Christ has done for us. He says in verse 9, I've become one with Christ because of what Jesus has done, not because of what I have done. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through the faith in Christ. So, all of the stuff that I thought was really something, I realized, you know, it didn't get me anywhere. 
all that stuff did not produce in me what only Jesus can produce. He says, I became righteous through faith in Christ, period. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. So how can we, how can we kind of look at this and, and evaluate this whole thing of joy? If you want to have joy flowing through you, the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord flows through you, number one, as you don't discount his influence. Don't discount his influence. When people identify something, acknowledge it's God's work. God's the one who's doing it. Letting the spirit flow, not being, not being willing to quench or cut off the spirit but letting the joy flow. Always being thankful for the people that God has brought into your life because they're very important. They may actually be part of the transformation that you need, the stuff that they bring, the influence that they have. Sometimes even the aggravations that they bring can be some of the things that can teach you and encourage you. Being thankful. And then, the blessings of life's troubles. Don't look at your troubles as being the end all, the, 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 you know, the worst thing that could ever happen. There's nothing else in life but these troubles, and so I got to just get out of all this trouble. No, troubles by themselves are really nothing more than a temporary speed bump. That's what they are. God is in the process of making you what he wants you to be. He hasn't forgotten who you are. He hasn't forgotten where you are. He hasn't forgotten what he's doing. God has not put the book away and said, oh, this, this, this particular person has engine trouble I cannot fix. God is the one who puts you together and he, he's in the process of fixing you. He's in the process of making you all that he wants you to be. So don't be lazy about the work that God is doing in your life. Have a good attitude and don't, don't put your confidence in what you've done Put your confidence 100% in what he has done for you. What he has done for you. You know, one of the greatest things uh, that, that I've experienced in my life as a believer in my life as, a, as, a, as far as the family goes is just rejoicing that God is not finished with me yet. Amen. Not finished with me yet. He's not finished with you yet. God is in the process of making you everything he wants you to be and he's not done with you yet. Otherwise, why are you here? And don't think that I said, don't think that I said in a moment this morning on a Sunday morning on the 30th of July, I didn't say if you're tired and fed up, go end it all. I didn't say that. Some people can take things the wrong way, and I want to be sure you understand. What I said was, you're here, you're alive, you're breathing, God's not finished. That's right. God has a work that he's doing, and let him do his work. Get, come alongside him, and whether you're in prison like Paul was, or whether you're outside of prison like the Philippians were, take advantage. Let him use you, and let him work in you, 
and let him produce by the Spirit that joy that will sustain you through all of it. Father, we thank you today. We thank you today for your joy. We thank you that you give us this joy, this unspeakable joy full of glory. We thank you for the promises of your word. We ask, Father, that you will cause us to respond with great joy and blessing to the things that you want to do and will do in our lives as we cooperate with you and as we walk with you. We thank you. And we pray, Father, your blessing right now in Jesus' name. Is there anyone here this morning with your eyes closed just for a moment who needs to put their trust in Christ? I invite you right now just to simply say, I have done these things. I have counted on my works and I've counted on my life, life's experience and my parents' experience with me to get me through. And I realized today I can't put confidence in the flesh. Yeah. I thank God for my parents. I thank God for what they've done. I thank God for the training. But it's only Jesus that can save me. Yeah. It's only Jesus that can open me away into, into heaven and to glory. And it's only Jesus who can produce this kind of joy. So this morning, if you just raise your hand and put it back down and say, Bob, please pray for me that even this morning I would give my life to Jesus right here and right now. Just raise your hand up and put it down. I put my confidence in Jesus and Jesus alone. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.